A presentation of the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is Ingle Radio, the podcast. A welcome to the episode that is going to take you around the world and a look at the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing with a very cool lens and through the eyes of a Canadian who played for the host nation. Uh, Paris O'Brien is going to be on the program today as we bring in the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. And you guys, you guys are actually together this week. This doesn't happen very often. And, and it it was it, it's been a while and it didn't happen on purpose. Like it was, well, I mean, it was, this was very last minute. This was, this is an emergency call up for Little Hutch to the Vancouver Giants after playing in the BCHL. What, last right? night. So I think Hutch got to met at 1.30, was up at 4.30 on the ferry here, and it's just worked out perfectly. That brings them to the lower mainland, so we decided to set up the mics in my house. We're thinking about doing it in the hot tub there, but we decided to spare you the visuals on Zoom of me and Hutch sitting in the hot tub and spare our audience having to listen to all the bubbles, which, of course, would have been only made by the hot tub itself, uh, <laughs> not me and Hutch. Uh, yeah, so we're in person. We're having fun here. So little Hutch gets the call up, and big Hutch gets the, the recall as well. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I get to come to the home office here. Is uh, I mean, how lucky am I that he got drafted by a team right down the road? This is just perfect. And they're back. They're on the road tonight, so we drop them off the bus. They go to Kelowna. They come back tonight. So, as he says, how lucky he is. He, he said that not thinking about the fact he's actually going to meet Maddie at that bus at two thirty a.m. But then they have a home game tomorrow here at Langley, just down the road. So. Papa Hutch here isn't going to be getting a whole lot of sleep. Didn't get a whole lot last night. No, um, no, no, no. I spent time in the military. I can sleep anywhere, anytime. Yeah. The car seat goes back. No problem. Don't worry about me. Sleep when you can sleep. Eat when you can eat. Exactly. We better keep this moving. I mean, he looks a little yeah. comfortable on the couch. <laughs> he does look very comfortable. Uh, we're going to get into uh, Paris O'Brien in just a little bit. Oh, what a fascinating conversation that uh, that you had with the young man who uh, ended up uh, overseas and uh, in Beijing and in Europe and in China uh, through a, a very... I don't know, fortunate uh, experience, but we're going to tell you that story because you, you simply won't believe it. And next time uh, that you're invited to just a pickup skate, you'll, you'll, this will be in the back of your mind for sure. I uh, want to get to our gear segment as well, and that's uh, dealing with the SLR3, a chesty with uh, the Vaughn product that is just out. And uh, this is a lot of fun between Cam and Woody, but some other things to talk about. And Lucas Dosal of the San Diego Gulls, a big stick tap, uh, Papa Hutch, like th- this had you written all over it, the the excitement uh, of a guy making both a lot of saves and scoring a goal. Well, it's certainly what my kid dreams of and what he, ex- he experiences the first half of that all the time. So it does have me written on it. Was it 51 saves I think he made in this game? So he actually must have had to make a save after he scored the goal because it was 50 when he, when he okay. scored it and 51 by the end, that kind of thing. Yeah, what a night. Eh? 50 plus saves and scores a goal. It's pretty much a dream. Didn't get in a fight. That's the only thing that was missing, I guess, from the the goalie hat trick, but uh, yeah, what an impressive performance. And, and as always just flashes around the internet so fast. Um, I think, I think somebody brought up the question on some talk radio I had the other day. What would you rather see a goalie goal or was it a pitcher hitting a home run? I think. Yeah. I think it might've been Merrick's show. What do you think? I, I mean, goalie goal. I'm a goalie goal all the time because I think uh, Shohei Otani's probably taking away the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, how many does he get? Like, a regular pitcher. Like goalie, goalie goal is 100% for me. The uh, That's the unicorn. I think they're thinking more like Bartolo Colon home run here. I, 
I'd pay to see that just to see him run the bases. But frankly, I was just gonna say, you know, goal, goal, goal. And when I speak of Lito, like awkward, awkward physical performances, like Lucas was not like he was not going to allow that one to come up short. Did you see how much oomph he put on it? So much yeah. so that he stumbled after he shot the hot dog part, yeah. which is perfectly acceptable. Like what? Why you can't leave any mustard on that hot dog? You got to give her everything. And he got it down the ice and just. Like and you know the other thing like you said not just the fifty one save performance but he's coming off I believe goalie of the week or yeah. like one of the stars of the week in the American Hockey League so here's a guy who is climbing those charts Anaheim doing a nice job of developing him into a guy who looks like he might be ready to help them in the very near future with the big club um, so uh, you know shout out to uh, Sudarshan Maharaj the goalie coach there and our old friend who when. They came up here in San Diego. Jeff Glass actually was the backup because they didn't have enough goalies when they arrived here in Abbotsford for the weekend. So obviously doing a nice job with Lucas Dostal. The big moment, but also a nice season in his development path. I actually called uh, one of his games uh, last week as part of that uh, player of the week uh, when I filled in doing some analyst work uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights uh, broadcast. I mean, he was outstanding. And I used that Jeff Glass note because he was on the roster and just because of my association and the osmosis of, of soaking in things from Ingle Radio, the podcast was able to to drop a little knowledge on the people about uh, Jeff being on the roster, but being a coach. Well, and did you manage to put that knowledge to use again this week after that, this week, with our boy Jeremy Swayman just absolutely on a heater as he arrives in Vegas for your broadcast yesterday? Did you pull out the ballet? Do you have all the background ready to go for the guy? Oh, yeah. And one one on the local radio show and then two in the press box uh, because it was, a, it was a national game, so we weren't doing our TV. And I had a little crowd around me because I was the only one that had a little intel on Jeremy Swayman due to the fact that he was on In Goal Radio, the podcast, uh, uh, last year, almost coming up a, a year from uh, from right now, in, in and around that that area. And that was my first exposure uh, to the young man. And uh, boy, it, did that come in handy. Well, as Hush just said, like, we, we haven't really looked this up, but like he's on a year right now. Uh, he's playing so well. He played so well last year. He's a rookie. So officially yeah. a rookie this year, like he's, if he keeps this up down the stretch, you got to think he starts to work his way into that rookie of the year conversation, as impressive as some of the position players are, like Mo Sider in Detroit. Um, but you got to think he works his way into that. And have we ever, as Hutch just asked, like, I don't have the answer here. We're going to do some research. Ever seen anybody make a transition like this on an NCAA, like first year pro last year, instant success. And now to be doing this this quickly, like it, it's really impressive what Jerry Swain is doing. He is the first rookie to start a season opener for the Boston Bruins since Blaine Locker, who came out of college and didn't have uh, an extended career, but the uh, same type of situation. He was a phenom uh, when 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 he broke in the the Locker monster. That's probably before you your time, uh, you guys. But uh, that uh, look, oh, yeah, Hutch, you you remember Locker monster? Jerry Cheever's in my time, buddy. I know, I know, but but but. Blaine didn't have the staying power of, of Jerry. Cheesy. That's true. Hey, I'm pretty sure that um, Jeremy Swayman doing ballet, it's not the last time we're going to talk about ballet today. No. Really? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I may have, I may have gotten a little TikTok-y with my hands. I know you've heard the gear segment, Darren, but I'm not sure you've seen the gear segment. No, I haven't. I just uh, was was... Thinking uh, the the twirling that you were doing that that Cam was referring to, 
was uh, was unique, but I didn't realize that uh, there was maybe some some ballet steps uh, in, involved say, in that. We may have gotten creative. This, this is definitely a week you're going to want to watch the gear segment after you listen. Uh, did you did you pull down um, any gloves when you wore the the chesty the SLR three uh, chesty or did you go UC Soros and just try to do your movements without without gloves the way you did with, this week full Soros without gloves and how about that it like second time this year we've seen it first Thatcher Demko making the saves without a blocker and now UC Soros wow and again he was looking at the officials like he had no clue that the rule is play on boys couldn't. Clearly couldn't believe, but then made the save anyway. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite as animated as Thatcher was about I need a whistle, I need a whistle. He wasn't waving his hand around. But so um, one part of me wondered if it's like that part of your brain kicks in and it's like, hey, like they gotta stop the play here, but there's probably maybe another part of him that's going, I don't think I'll because I saw this once this year. Yeah. The in radio podcast talked about it. If he'd listen, he would know. He must. Yeah, I think he did too. Like it, it's almost like it was uh, he he was aware. He like you try and get the whistle, you do everything you can to get the whistle. But uh the way he he caught that puck in in his uh chesty and and absorbed it, like his his form didn't change at all, which is staggering. All right, so I mean that's that's kind of UC Zara, but like actually yeah. that encapsulation, like his form never changes at all. No. Which he is, kind of hit his hit his hand at the at the very start of the scramble when he lost his glove, and then just went into uh, autopilot mode, and it and it continued. It was fun to watch. It was awesome. I, I loved it. Uh, oh, there's there's there, there, something to protect, guys. I understand uh, why we don't have it. But. I, you know what? I, like I hate to say it, um, I just feel like yeah, I, I know the goalie union says I should agree with you, Hutch, and that we should find a way to protect them. It's way more fun when you don't. The problem is, yeah, it is more fun when you don't. And also the problem is, like, I know where the argument, I know exactly what the counter argument is going to be. Guys are going to shed it on purpose. Yeah. I would, if that happened to me, I would put my hand inside the pants to try and protect my fingers. Like, I'm surprised that that didn't happen just as a way to kind of shelter yourself uh, a little bit. But he... Or the whistle on a penalty for delay again. Or, yeah, or just knock the net off and, yeah, something like that. Or take your mask off because your 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 hands are already free. You could just like throw that yeah. off. So you could do that, but I'm saying if you want to have a, a rule in place that protects the goaltender in that situation. Oh yeah, whistle blows automatically, but it's a penalty for delay a game. I know that might seem a little bit unfair, but you can hold your equipment on, so it's kind of on you. Yeah, and that will presumably get rid of guys shedding their equipment just to get a whistle. Yeah. I don't know. And it was, it was his own teammate who who caused the the blocker to come off on the on the pinch in the side of the net. I don't know. I don't know. But it, let's just it happens so rarely. Let's just hope it continues to be so rare. Entertains us every once in a while. You guys uh, uh, were referencing the dance steps by uh, Woody over at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, a source for sports Surrey. Uh, that uh, that looked like that or sounds uh, like you guys had some fun over there. Yeah, no, and we do have fun every time there's new gear. And so a lot of excitement. We saw it. I teased it last week, talked about how the hockey shop had their SLR three pads in. Um, not all the gloves have arrived, but they're en route. They've got a set, they got some set of pads in there. Uh, what I didn't realize last week when I was teasing it is the new chest protector and the new pads have come in. And so make sure you go to the hockeyshop.com if you're not lucky enough, like we are, to live uh, nearby and be able to drop it in person, check them out online. 
um, because they've got all the details on the new line. I think they've got an overview already published on the website, sort of walking you through some of the changes. And we're going to walk you through some of the changes today on the chest protector. Next week, we'll do the pants because they're significant. Um, for the first time in a long time, there are uh, some major sort of changes in how they put this together. They're exciting. And I guess I was excited enough. So this is a tease. After you listen to this, make sure you check out YouTube, Instagram, IGTV, uh, all our social channels this weekend to see me in this gear segment because I might have got a little overexcited there. And then after years of my daughter asking me to do TikToks with her and refusing, I did a little dance to the music just to keep Cam, I don't know, happy, entertained. I don't know. I just, I got carried away. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports, and another episode of Kevin Plays Dress Up. That's because, Cam, you've got something new in this week. I saw on the IG, I saw, I saw Vaughn SLR3 pads. What I didn't know is you had the new Vaughn SLR3 chest protector and pants. We're going to start with the chest protector today, right out of the plastic. Gotta say, uh, goes on feeling very, what we would expect from Vaughn. It's a very comfortable, flexible unit. But this is a big departure from SLR2. So walk me through some of the new features on this model. Yeah, quite a bit to cover here. The very much different chest than, you know, in years past, um, even starting with just the overall shape and profile of it. Um, a bit less, you know, shoulder heavy, um, which was like some of that previous SLR epic um, fit that was kind of carried over. Here they've redone the shoulder floaters a bit more, tapered off of the actual shoulder caps tapered the further shoulder cap to make sure you have some double integration in terms of protection so you don't have those gaps and added quite a few adjustability features. So covering a, a little bit of a basic overview, now to go in a bit more deeper dive, looking at the shoulder floaters first, um, continuing first with their suspender buttons that they've added to the top uh, of the floaters themselves. So you can put your suspenders through those buttons. Careful because what I've also discovered is it's a nice place to put your microphone. I know you need that nice clip sound oh, hopefully sound really good there right. you go exactly so that's for those that you like to run suspenders just a spot to sort of keep them in place a nice little feature correct and as kevin pointed out that the shoulder floaters themselves are a little bit higher and further stacked up i did feel a little bit like when i first put it on I, oh let's relax a little bit but i i felt a little bit like i'm like is this going to affect you know especially with a mask on is this going to affect my sort of range of mobility with my head so when i said the word adjustability as a feature, so number one, their pads underneath to help puff up those shoulders if that's what you're looking for in terms of a presence. But also, if Kevin spins around for me. Oh, I'm like Vanna White. New adjustability features in terms of for the shoulder floaters. So if you are looking for it to be a little bit tighter up against, or I can even set it off to the side and offset it a little bit more, turn around. You can really see the difference now in terms of the actual puffed up nature of the chest. So if you're looking for, again, a bit more of a tapered shouldered fit, Again, worried about, you know, backing out of the driveway, that sort of thing. Looking behind the net as those plays come across. Do not back out of the driveway wearing a chest protector. Highly recommend you put it on once you get to the rink. Sometimes you're to running a little bit late. You to know, to you got to be ready, right? each their own. So, again, having that bit of a different style of fit. So, after covering the shoulder floaters, one of my more favorite uh, options that uh, Vaughn has included is actually an adjustable arm feature, which we'll show kind of here after. Um, you're able to actually pin up the arms with just these snap buttons here. So before we would used to have to be able to like actually sew the arm physically. 
or, or custom order the chest to have that separate body sizing versus arms, for example. It's a great way to get that adjustability feature in and really dial in the chest to your personal fit. Still more to cover. They've kept their similar style of arms and arm floaters themselves, so still very familiar if you've had those previous SLR series or even Epic, you know, depending on how far back you are in the line, or Vision for even that matter. Turn to the side for me, Kevin. Which side would you like me to go to, Kevin? Stage right. So if we look at the actual back adjustment features of the chest, Bonds include a bit of a different harness this year just to create a bit more of that wraparound fit. Kevin opens up his arms a little bit. You can really see, A, how the rib protection has extended all the way back along the side. This has been a bit of a, uh, a clear point of Vaughn on some points where the rib protection was lacking a little bit. This has fully addressed that, trying to get that full wraparound protection, stop those side rib shots. You got lots of extra padding all the way wrapping around you. A great feature. If you keep twirling, I love this whole twirling feature here. Keep on going, keep on going. Stop. Simple, adjustable magnet clip that we actually found on their SLR2 control strap before. Snap buckles in. Then they've also got a piece of Velcro on the back to help seal it off. And as well, hard eight carbon piece on top of it to make sure that you don't get it, you know, busted by any shots. So you, you, you can stop twirling now. Oh, I was really getting good at that. I thought we were making a TikTok video. I know. <laughs> last, last thing to cover, how it now integrates with the pants. Excellent, cool feature and design. So this chest can be worn untucked, half-tucked, or full-tucked. So it covers quite a lot of bases there. Hold on, hold, hold on, hold on. Hold okay, on. okay, okay. What the hell's a half-tuck? A half-tuck. I know what a tuck and an untuck is. Give me a half-tuck explanation. Ooh. Sides out, belly pad still in. Does it connect? Oh, it connects. So now we can see, you asked what that half-tuck looks like? This is that half tuck. So, integrated well with the SLR3 pant. You know, yes, they are supposed to go hand in hand to a bit of a degree. Doesn't mean you can't wear this chest with any other pant. However, the way the SLR3 pant is designed with a bit of a higher upper waist this year, it definitely integrates well. We'll cover that in a later video. Because this chest is a little bit of a shorter unit. Correct. And that's kind of what it was designed to be. But and however... integration, where are we talking about? Are we looping this thing in or what? You absolutely can tie yourself in. My personal recommendation, again, would still be suspenders up and over top to help kind of secure that unit fully down. Again, we see it set up in that half-tuck version that we see here. Um, we can fully tuck that chest protector in nice and easy, but this is a nice cool feature of this chest uh, and definitely worth calling out. There's our half-tuck. Integrated half-tuck. Ooh, more ballerina. If you want to learn more about this chest, you can give me a call 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. You don't have to dance around in it. Who's saying uh, you can dance if you want to? Who, who, who was that? Come on, Hutch. This is right in your era. Men Without Hats. Thank you very much. That's what we... Uh, Men Without Music. That was a great pull because I didn't let you know that that was uh, coming. Uh, well done, uh, Woody. Uh, the the dance is perfect. And when you say that you're like Vanna, you're you're more like the letters. Like Vanna didn't twirl around; the letters twirled around. I did some twirling, yes. And <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, um, impressed. Like I said, I was impressed with the new product, the new chest packer. So make sure you check it out at thehockeyshop.com. Got any questions on camp? We will do the pants next week, as you, as you saw in that end TikTok video, like tucked, untucked, half tucked. Okay, um, that's where I want to go. 
Yeah. Who's, yeah. who's ever heard of half tuck? Okay. I, can I just say for this entire time that I've worked with you guys, there's been like almost once an episode where something comes up and, and I'll have to go, okay, can you explain that? I've never heard of that. Or can you uh, just fill me in a little background on this? When, when Cam mentioned half tuck, I was, what, what is that? I've, I've never heard that. So thank you, Woody, for, for asking that because I have no idea what half tuck is. Well, so like that, that Vaughn chest protector, and again, it'll tie into how the pants are done because they made some upgrades there as well that we really like, including some pro spec features on the pants that weren't stock. They had to be custom ordered in the past uh, from Vaughn and most pros ordered it. I think all of them ordered it. And so now they're available on the stock SLR3. Um, but that the chest basically has, instead of one sort of one piece belly area, it's kind of divided in like it's segmented a little bit. And so you can take that middle piece and tuck it in and have sort of the sides sort of around your rib cage outside of the pant and tie the middle piece into the pant. So there's a connection there. It's not going to pop out. It's not going to get yeah. the game. It's actually connected. Um, keep it all in one piece. And by having the sort of rib area outside of the pant, I mean, in my opinion, again, I haven't played in it, but I liked the concept because uh, as, and again, we'll get into it on the pad. It's got an inner belt, but the inner belt comes through the outside. So when you cinch it, it does kind of pull the pad in a little bit more. Does it leave the barrel in full effect? Like say my CCM does, which I like. Well, you can sort of accommodate for that loss of uh, waste coverage. Uh, got plenty of waste coverage naturally, but that loss of sort of outer coverage around the waist by having that rib area sort of sit outside. So it just gives you a bit of a bigger profile around the belly. And as goalies, we may be the only ones in the world that actually want that. So it's love handles. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Again, something else I have quite naturally, but I like to <laughs> augment them when I'm playing golf. So it should be talk, I'm talking beer league. Beer league, yeah. yeah. So there's a slit that goes between the front of the chesty and then the sides, and the sides okay. just kind of flip out over. Another, yeah. another reason yeah. to watch the video for all the visual yeah. I edit the audio of these things before I see the video, and I had no clue what half tuck was. Yeah. Oh, I actually watched the video and it's well, we, we've clear. kind of explained it now, but make sure you go watch the video. This is why we do the simulcast. Make sure you go check out that video, folks. YouTube, Ingoal Media, uh, IGTV on our Instagram channel. We'll link it off Twitter. Make sure you check it out on the episode page at ingoalmag.com as well. My buddy D, uh, who uh, takes part in some summer skates here in, in the Las Vegas Valley, he wears the Vaughn and he got hit hard in the, in the, in the ribs last summer. Uh, and that was the immediately when, when you guys were talking about the added beefed up protection uh, along the sides, I was, I was absolutely thinking of him first and, and foremost. So that's great news. Well, I will say this, like Vaughn is a, like, I like, you hear me talk about it. You'll see it in the video. Like just put it on. It feels like sort of like you're putting on a, a puffy hoodie. Like there's a lot of mobility there, but in the past that mobility came at the expense of protection a little bit, right? That was the reputation. Like if you were playing in a Vaughn chest protector, you were a guy that sort of accepted bruises were part of the position, right? I remember even Henry Blomquist coming in and talking about this the time I helped sort of swapped him into a newer model because his arms were like black and blue when he came in to play the Canucks. Um, that's always sort of been the stigma. And frankly, there's a reason uh, that's been the stereotype. It's been reality. They are adding that protection, but not really at the, like they don't, it doesn't feel stiff. It doesn't feel blocky. Um, the arms can used to order, like the hockey shop used to have a Vaughn spec that they always ordered called pro beef in the arms, which was where more protective arms. They don't do it anymore. Um, you can still order it, 
But one of the reasons they stopped doing it is Bond themselves beefed up the arms to the degree where they didn't feel like they had to, for every goalie of a certain level, have the pro beef option. You feel it's still, it's, it's, it's still an arm you're going to feel more poxing compared to some other brands. Yeah, probably, but not to the degree it used to be. So you can still get that pro beef and custom and talk to Cam at the hockey shop for all your custom needs because Bond is still a company that does a lot of it. Um, but you don't necessarily, you know, if you're soft like me and you don't think bruises should be part of the job description, um, you don't necessarily need to add that pro beef to survive. I just want to tell you guys, the, the gear segment is is my favorite. I love our feature interviews and I get so much out of them, but the gear segment is just, just fascinates me every week, the way you guys break it down. And and this is another example of that. Uh, well done. Uh, really neat. And I can't wait for uh, Aiden Shaw to go over and, and be able to check out the Vaughn SLR three uh, line at, at the hockey shop. Remember the email that we got last week and we can report some success here. Yeah, very good effort by Aiden, first and foremost. But Darren, uh, for picking up on Aiden's effort, sending us that note to get his dad to take him to the hockey shop in person while he's in town for his sister tournament nearby. Sounds like it was a successful mission. So good on you for initiating Aiden. Good on you, Darren, for leading the charge on the show last week. It sounds like we've had some success and we're going to get that in-person visit when he's in town for his sister tournament. Hey, did you notice the email from our buddy uh, Paul Locker in the States? Who yep. I love the gear segment this week. I would like to be the first U.S. beer leaguer to purchase the official In Goal Magazine podcast stickered version of the Tweet Protector, complete with the Kevin Woodley autograph. As a fellow shuffleboard shooter, I'll never stress the shaft of my stick while shooting, but Woodley's autograph would make the package complete. We're definitely going to have to make that arrangement. <laughs> Totally. No, Paul. We were just we just used the I think the Ingol stickers because remember we talked about the twig yeah. saver. I think it's called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about the twig saver about how good that could be not just for beer leaders but for parents who are tired of shelling out three hundred bucks and having a break in practice, especially. Um, you do have to take it off. So I think we've got some Ingol stickers that would just kind of perfectly oh, oh. decorating the, the twig saver. They could actually be used to wrap the twig saver and, and, and provide that seal to the shaft of the stick. There we go. And something uh, I didn't mention last week or didn't know last week when you guys were talking about it, but the the twig saver, it, it comes in multiple colors. So you can you can actually match it to whatever kind of uh, handle that you're using, and and it helps it blend in a little bit more. Because I was on the hockey shop website this week and ordered some padded undergarments, uh, underwear, and undergarments sounds very uh, risque, uh, uh, but some some padded underwear uh, this week, and was looking at the the stick saver. Nice. Yes, there's multiple colors, so you can you can match. You can be matchy matchy. It's okay to be matchy matchy. I like a little style. We gotta have style. Nothing says matchy matchy like Hutch. Like me, I'm like the last one. He's yeah, he's the matchy matchy guy over there. <laughs> I, I matchy matchy guy. I got like I got like my team logo on my pads right now, so I'm definitely matchy. Ooh, aren't you fancy? You're yeah. a tryhard. I got my team. Hey guys, on my team. Like I got guys on my team. We got like home and away and matching socks. And there's some guys that are so anti-matchy-matchy that they refuse to wear the socks that match the color of the jersey at top. So they're always like, you know, opposite world. It's, it, we, we have some fun. 
I like those guys. So check it out, the, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for Sports Surrey and, uh, and Papa, uh, Corey Shaw, uh, Aiden's dad, uh, thank you. And uh, looking forward to uh, make sure you send us uh, a complete note on how everything goes over there and uh, and enjoy the visit. I'm jealous because I've never been able to get out to the Hockey Shop. Done a lot of uh, shopping, but never been able to get out there. So uh, let me know how it goes. We're definitely taking there an extra pop. Now that the pandemic hopefully as it winds down and we get another tendy fest in the near future, we'll definitely make the visit. I got to say, folks, we do hear a lot from Cam and his staff and the crew at the hockey shop. Um, when you are emailing them about online corners, when you're calling them with questions, because you've heard it on the Ingle Radio podcast, I love it when you let them know that. Uh, so don't hesitate. They've heard it a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, please don't hesitate to let them know that this is where you first discovered the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. Um, we love our partnership with them. They've been great partners, but it's always nice to get that reminder uh, that you heard about them here first. Now our feature interview uh, presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, and we are going overseas via the lower mainland in BC and uh, Sensorina, Sensorina VR are really uh, doing some great things uh, right now. And I'll go back to uh, the, the idea that you get uh, when you put on the VR headset, you get a mix of uh, trying to read situations to full on players coming at you and scoring in a rink like you're you're at your your local facility and and they're doing drills on you so there's there's a real combination of uh different skill sets and it's a perfect tie-in to our future guest paris o'brien today because one of the things you're going to hear him talk about in this interview is the work he's done with his finnish coaches over in Kunlin about reading the games and reading players and reading different elements and how important that is I didn't ask him about this. I realized how short-sighted this was. I forgot to ask, but I know he is a sensory user because he posted about it heading into the Olympics, about using that as a tool. And it ties in perfectly because guess what? We're celebrating five years of sensory as a company and some exciting growth over the past year. They decided that they would like to celebrate. They're giving away five headsets a day, uh, new customers. They got contests. There's discounts on right now. Um, some of the, some of the, I believe it's a free Oculus headset with all annual orders right now, Hodge. Like, yeah, I think it's safe. I mean, for Canadian folks, of course, it depends on the dollar, but I think you're looking at about an $830 savings if you sign up now as an annual customer. They haven't had deals like this uh, very often, and it's uh, just a fantastic celebration, but it's only five a day. So uh, get yourself on there. Be, don't forget IGM50, put that code in at checkout, and uh, you'll save another 50 bucks on top of that as well. And uh, just a, an incredible opportunity to get in Sense Arena and something I think everybody needs to do. Now, and so that's five headsets a day when you order new. The headsets are complimentary. As Hutch said, lots of value right through March 13th, folks. But as we've seen in the past, sometimes those headsets go fast because it is such a great value. I believe you're also getting um, the controllers, the controllers, the, sleeves, the, holders, yeah. the sleeves. The whole, everything you need comes with an annual contract. Right yeah. Now, basically. Yeah, everything with an annual contract and right through March 13th. So that offer is open through March 13th. I feel like to celebrate their five years. I look at some of the numbers, like over a million drills and like some really exciting things. And, you know, like when you see guys like, you know, at the NHL level and guys like Paris O'Brien using this tool to get better, it just goes to show you this is, it works for us beer leaders, but it works for elite goaltenders as well. And don't forget the players in your house too, right? So yes. a version for players, version for goalies. So if mom or dad's a player or brother, sister, whatever, uh, you get two licenses when you sign up. So you can still use... Uh, we got to stop, stop. We can't let the players get better. 
Plays yes, get better. We, get get better. we can't help them get better. No, no, the ones in your house that are shooting on you, you want them to get better. Rising tide floats all boats. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just, I do it. I don't do it necessarily to get better because I think I've, I've topped out on that. The, the idea that I, oh, that I do it that oh, brother. is, no, I, I do it because it's fun. I, it's, it's oh, a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else happened this week? I'm pretty sure you can't practice this one in Sense Arena, but butter stacked the windmill safe highlighted by the Vegas Golden Knights social media crew. Darren, <laughs> go on. Had the boys stick tapping and hooting and hollering with that save. That was a that was save of the year categories. Don't tell nope. me you plateaued. I think I didn't even know I did a butter stack because uh, I just was jumping over there. It, it was fun. The guys like it when you throw a pad stack in because they don't see it. The first question for my kid was who took the shot? Uh, I think it was Jonas Rombjerg, I believe, but I, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, I had a little running uh, gag going or feud going or rivalry going that day with Nick Waugh, but I believe it was Jonas Rombjerg who, who took the shot, but I can't say for sure. Oh, that was definitely Jack Heidel. <laughs> yeah, it is. T- to- totally. Uh, and uh, oh, I, I just... I just yelled at them. You can't teach that. You can't. Like that's just a natural thing. I mean, the in the background going, nor would I. <laughs> yeah, Mike Rosati's like, don't do that. Well, Mike, Mike can do it. Mike can do it. He might not get up after it, but he can do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know who gets a kick out of that stuff? Like the toe up uh, and and the. Uh, the the different pad stacks is uh, Laurent Brassois because he's usually the guy at the other end because uh, whenever I do those skates it's because Robin Leonard takes the pregame skate off and if he's starting he doesn't skate of that so Brassois laughs and chuckles and and he gets uh, he he just thinks it's a it's a hoot because he's so technical and so dialed in and perfect uh, that he never really has to do those kinds of things. Maybe this part that 360 we can get LB to bust out Darren Millard for us. We'll just ask him. We'll, we'll name you and we'll see what he does. <laughs> uh, that was fun. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun uh, to go over there. But again, it's mainly because I was out of position and and sliding over. Uh, nothing like like Paris O'Brien though. Like uh, a 50 year old guy doing a, a butter stack is is different. Paris O'Brien is totally unique. Uh, he's our Sensorina Sensorina VR feature interview this week. And it's a fun one. And I don't want to give too much away, but as you said there, um, this story starts with an invitation to escape that wasn't necessarily at the time intended or there wasn't an awareness where this could even possibly lead. And so a good, anytime you get invited out to escape, maybe, I guess maybe my Thursday shinny invitations probably aren't going to lead to the Olympics. Oh, yeah, the Scouties are in the stands all that time. I can, well, I got a few guys that play against me that thinks they're Scouts out there, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just, it's a great story. And as you listen to it and you think about these timelines, remember he's just 21 years old right now. So, you know, I stress it quite a bit in the interview. This whole process started while he was just in grade 11. And Paris being in the Olympics and what a great opportunity. He talks about what that means to him and what that means to his family. Um, but this is a path that he started way back, you know, coming out of grade 11, like, like 27, 2017, 2018. So like, you know, f- four years ago, five years ago. Um, and, and it requires a fair amount of bravery on his part, frankly, um, to basically just pick it up and, and, and basically go across the world and you hear about all the different places that it takes them to. So 
Uh, again, I don't want to give too much away, but like, so you've listened this far, make sure you keep listening because uh, it features Mike Keenan as well. So there's a great story here on how Paris O'Brien went from grade 11 and Delta Academy down the road here to center stage against Canada at the Beijing Olympics. Paris O'Brien, the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina VR, an Olympic conversation with Kevin Woodley. Really excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio podcast, Paris O'Brien, fresh off the the Olympics. You're an Olympian, man. Pretty cool. Now, played for China. You're from here, my backyard, originally the Vancouver Lower Mainland, represented China, have Chinese heritage. So I'm going to ask you, I introduced you as Paris O'Brien, your Chinese name, the name you went by while you were there, and sort of the roots of that. Can you give our audience a taste of that? Yeah, so uh, I was actually born with the name uh, Oban Yongli. That's my Chinese name, my full Chinese name that my grandparents uh, gave me when I was born. And uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I just want to say thank you for inviting me to come on to the podcast. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to invite me to come on. But uh, going back to my Chinese heritage, um, yeah, I mean, my grandparents, they were born in uh, Guangdong, uh, the Guangdong province in China and originally from Zongshan, China, which is down south. And then my uh, they immigrated to Fiji just before the war. And then my mom was actually born in Fiji. And then she immigrated from Fiji to Canada with her family when she was super young. But uh, I've been super close to my parents my entire life. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to uh, only have one set of parents, so um, I only met my Chinese parent, my Chinese grandparents on my mom's side. But uh, I've been super close to them. We always had family dinners and whatnot at my grandparents' house all the time. I gotta ask: uh, do you, Is there a meaning behind your Chinese name? Like my wife's, for yeah. example, is, is Ji Fun, and yeah. she's told me like what it means. And is there a significance there? Um, well, from my understanding. Uh, Oban is just, uh, it's a translation from my English last name, O'Brien. And then uh, uh, Yongli means, uh, I believe it means uh, like good luck or good fortune. Like this, uh, something like that uh, in Chinese. Okay, so you probably feel like you've had some good fortune to play for the Olympics for... Yeah, no, for sure. But also some hard work. So I want to go through the path that led you to there. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, I just want to talk about the experience first. Like... What does it mean to you? What did it mean to you, given that heritage, given that that background was a part of your upbringing as well mm-hmm. through your grandparents? Right. What did it mean to you to be an Olympian representing China on the world's biggest stage for hockey? Well, I mean, it means the world to me to have the opportunity to represent the host nation as well as having the opportunity of being able to represent both my grandparents and you know the host nation and just my Chinese heritage overall. I mean... Before heading into the Olympics, I've talked about this, of having the opportunity with my grandparents, and they were super supportive of me. Uh, unfortunately, my grandfather passed away just before the start of this past season, so he wasn't uh, wasn't able to watch it firsthand. But, Sorry uh, to hear that, but yeah. you, you had an emotional post on Instagram talking about that. Yeah. It felt like he was there with you? Oh, 100%. He was always there with me. I actually had his initials um, put on the back of my helmet. So now it's kind of like uh, a token for me to represent him in a sense and uh, to remember him by. 
But I remember heading into, you know, the Olympics, I was really thinking about, you know, my gong gong and my papa and, uh, you know, what it means to me being able to have this opportunity of coming here. And, you know, I'm not just representing just myself and my family. I'm also representing, you know, all Chinese people and even half Chinese people, you know, heritage people in the world, you know, and it means a lot to me to have that opportunity of being able to do this. Um, again, I want to get into the background and how you got to there, but the moment itself, like walking out in um, part of the opening ceremonies, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, uh, from there, to, like just to be a part of that. Like, I think it's one of those things we all would like to envision what it would be like to be on the ice in the NHL and looking <laughs> up at 20,000 people. Yeah. I've covered an Olympics, mm-hmm. so I have a taste of what it's like looking down. It's like it's even a bigger spectacle than, say, the National Hockey League. What's it like to be the one in the middle of that? Yeah, I mean, there's no words that can really describe the feeling. I remember in the opening ceremony when they called China being the last country at the opening ceremony and just hearing the crowd roar, you know, China and cheer for us. And then I actually had like chills down my back. And it's like I was completely speechless at that moment, you know, just being there in that moment. And it made me realize like you're an actual, you're actually an Olympian now. It's it's pretty crazy. It, it's kind of one of those moments you have to pinch yourself because it doesn't really feel real. It's so surreal the moment you know when you're in it. But you know I tried to enjoy it the whole process, uh, being there in every moment that I could. Now, what about the chance to play against Canada? Yeah, you know, sort of the other part of your background and mm-hmm. and, a, and a country that I think we. As a Canadian, we take a lot of pride in, yeah. at least I do, oh, yeah, and sure. I think most Canadians do, mm-hmm. because, you know, we're multicultural, because we ha- have people from so many different backgrounds mm-hmm. here that, I mean, honestly, I don't think about it half the time. It's just a part of who we are. Yeah. Was that extra special to get that game too? Well, I mean, absolutely, for sure. Um, I mean, in the moment when I got the call to be the starter for the first game against Canada, I was I was very ecstatic. Obviously, I called my friends and family back home and told them about the moment. And they were super happy for me, of course. And, you know, it's it's a complete privilege. And I'm super grateful to be able to be at the Olympics and to skate on the ice. And it's just a complete another thing to be able to play and start the game against the nation that you were born in, right? In the country I was born in. So, and especially playing against Canada, you know, they're great, uh, great team, Claude Julian and the guys over there you know, super professional and very, uh, you know, meticulous with what they, with what they do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it every moment being there and it was super fun to experience that. Now let's get into the path a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because this isn't just like, you didn't just go over there for a year or so you've been over there for yeah. what f- is it four or five years four now? years now yeah going into potentially my fifth year and you're only 21 yeah. so that means you've been you they, like this journey started early for you so yeah you grow up playing minor hockey here mm-hmm. uh in the lower mainland mm-hmm. um you spend i believe your grade 11 year at delta academy which a lot of our listeners that aren't from here won't know but that's a prestigious local sort of academy school for for hockey Spend your grade 11. How do you go from grade 11 at Delta Academy to what I guess would be your grade 12 year playing overseas for um, KRS junior team? Yeah. And and where would that have been? Like MHL, like mm -hmm. not necessarily in China. Would you have been like in another part of Europe at that point? Yeah. I mean, uh, just going back to what you were talking about originally. um, How it started. How it started. Yeah, exactly. It's 
it was kind of crazy to think that uh, what, what happened, what kind of unfolded. Um, basically, I believe it was one of the days uh, after one of my skates with Delta Hockey Academy. Um, I got a call from uh, one of my family friends, uh, Debbie. She reached out to me and uh, just basically said that they need an extra goalie for a skate. And that uh, at the time, I didn't really think much of it. I kind of ended up skipping class that day it was uh, my last class i had only one more class in the day so yeah but it was pretty cool <laughs> I, I, love that you're, I love that you're making excuses like, yeah. like trying to justify still just skipping one class <laughs> yeah for the start of this journey but i mean uh yeah so i kind of ended up skipping the last class of the day and uh went to go play hockey and did uh, you know what you were going to like no totally i I had no idea what I was getting myself. You just going into. for a skate. That's what I thought was I was going for a skate, and then when I got there, I had to sign some sh paper, some papers, uh, and it actually, I found out there that uh, it was basically they needed an extra goalie for a Chinese uh, identification camp that they were holding in uh, Burnaby Eight Ranks at the time, now the Scotia Barn, right there in Burnaby, and uh, yeah, and then I got there, and then they said, "Hey, are you?" you're Chinese, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I'm half Chinese. And uh, it's kind of one thing led to another. Um, I stayed for two days now, uh, two days there at the identification camp. And then I met uh, Mike Keenan actually approached me from there. And uh, it was pretty crazy to talk to him one-on-one -on -one personally. He came up to me. So it wasn't like I reached out to him. And uh, So you're yeah. like, great. So hold on. Did, you, did they know you had Chinese? Like, did they reach out to you because of that? Or were yeah. you just a goalie? They happened to know somebody that knew and it was a goalie and you happened to have this. Well, that's factor. exactly what happened. It was kind wow. of one of those things that uh, they kind of invited me because they needed an extra goalie. And then yeah. it kind of find out, they found out later that I actually had Chinese heritage. And wow. I was half. So, and it was kind of like, oh, just one thing kind of led after another. And it, you know, unfolding this thing that uh, turned out really great for me. So, you got invited to basically be a target. Yeah. And you ended up being an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you put it like that, I mean, at the time they were kind of selling it at, uh, they were selling it to us like, um, you know, they're trying to start a development program in right. China under the Kulun Red Star organization and to develop Chinese heritage or Chinese players for hockey. And then, I mean, ultimately the main goal was for 2022 for the Olympics. But to me, the kid, uh, as a 17 year old kid, I wasn't really thinking of the Olympics. I was just thinking of the opportunity of potentially playing in the KHL. Right. You know, arguably the second best league in the world. So. And I just meant the first, like that initial skate, that initial invite yeah. was to be a target. And then, yeah. wow, like what a... So what, like you're in grade 11 and all of a sudden you're talking to Mike Keenan and he's, mm -hmm. and he's talking about these opportunities. Like yeah. walk me through how you go from considering it to accepting it to moving overseas and, mm -hmm. and going from grade 11 in, in Delta Academy to grade 12 in, like I think you said, Latvia. Yeah, in Latvia, my first year anyways. But uh, yeah, going back to what you were saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I think honestly not knowing what I was getting myself into actually helped my game a little bit actually just going there and just playing my game being in the zone and having fun out there and not I played thinking really well exactly I wasn't thinking about you know the potential of what could happen you know what could be uh, but it really helped my game tremendously and uh, you know I just had fun out there playing with a bunch of guys that I grew up playing with you know in my, the minor hockey system here in the lower mainland and uh you know being approached by mike keen is it was pretty surreal i mean you're watching him on tv especially when yeah. he was with the canucks as the head coach and 
you know, looking at his resume and what he's accomplished and be able to be face to face with him. And he's talking about, you know, me potentially coming overseas as a 17 year old kid and playing for their organization that they were starting there. Obviously, you know, at the time it wasn't, uh, they weren't very, um, well known, the, the club Keras, but, uh, and they didn't really have a reputation to back them. But obviously, you know, if it wasn't for Mike being there, I don't think my parents or myself would have considered it as something that's a possibility. Yeah. But I mean, after I talked to Mike, they invited me during the summer to come to Finland to, uh, um, to do training camp there. And I spent about a week or two in Finland. And then, uh, then I got my uh, parents' approval and obviously I signed the contract and then the rest is history after that. And then my first year MHL, which is basically the, uh, for the people that don't know, it's the major, uh, it's Russian major junior league in Russia. So I played uh, two years in the MHL. My first year was in Latvia and playing in the Russian league. And then my second year were based out of Harbin, China, which is Northern China. Uh, and, but we still traveled by plane to go to Russia to play games. And you also spent some time, you got a, you got a, you're up in the VHL that second year and yeah. then VHL in your third year. Just for mm-hmm. our listeners, cause I think I have an idea, but just for our listeners that we talked about MHL sort of being the major junior, what's mm-hmm. VHL level below KHL? Would it be like an AHL equivalent? How would you yeah, equate I that? I mean, from my understanding is the VHL is, it's the farm team to the KHL. So it would be the equivalent to AHL. There's a bunch of players that are ex AHL players or ex ECHL players that have played that are now playing in the VHL. And, uh, it's a great league. I mean, very, uh, well, it's very high skilled, uh, league. And, uh, I was fortunate enough my second year MHL to get called up halfway through the season. And, uh, I ended up playing two games in the VHL there and uh, just to gain some little bit of experience and then uh you know had a tremendous year in the vhl and then the following year i was actually supposed to be in the khl but obviously covid hit so unfortunately and you know considering my age and everything that was happening uh my family and uh, myself included we thought it'd be best to take the year off and just so i ended up training um that year in uh, back home and just practice and continue to train with my goalie coach uh, Pasco Villana and Brendan Metz part of EG and uh, Lyndon Sermatino and uh, yeah and then this past season I got the call to um, be part of the KHL team and then it kind of hit at that moment that uh, we're getting closer to the Olympics obviously yeah and so and so you go to Kunlin and play for and where were they and my apologies for not knowing this because everything Mm -hmm. has changed so much I have trouble with the timelines i even missed the fact that you took the year off. Um, but where where was the Kunlin team based out of this year? And how did that sort of start to transition into preparations for the Olympics yeah. for you? Well, obviously, there was a lot of things to consider this year. Um, COVID mainly, uh, how right. it hit. So this year, we're based out of uh, Matishi. It's, it's in Moscow. It's the suburbs of Moscow. And it, actually, it was actually easier for us to play in Moscow as uh it's the hub for the khl so there's a lot of teams there and travel it wasn't as far obviously we charter plane so uh the farthest we would have to go would be um seabir in Novobrisk, which is about a four-hour flight direct so but everything else is about a two-hour hour and a half flight so nice central location yeah exactly and easier you couldn't it would be too tough to be based out of china just given the travel restrictions that are surrounding the country right now that totally makes sense yeah 
Um, did you know going over this year for the KHL season, like, did you have a spot on the Olympics at that point? Like, what did did you have to? Like you talked about playing mm. so free in that tryout, and there's such a good lesson there for young goalies, but also probably for goalies of every age. Maybe it's a lesson you've leaned on later on in your career. So, like, yeah. like do you go into the season knowing you had one of those spots, or did you have to perform to get that spot? And what's that pressure like? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, my sec, or my yeah, third year, I believe it was when I played in the VHL. They told me towards the end of the season that I could potentially be one of the three goalies for the Olympic team, and I was being considered at the time. And we had like a, what they call a, it was a KRS Olympic camp during the summer. So they kind of basically funneled all the KHL and VHL and MHL players through that and Chinese national players as well to figure out what players would be the best fit for the Olympic team. So they kind of started that, that funnel through then a couple of years ago. And then, uh, yeah, at the start of this season, I kind of just went into it just thinking about just the KHL. Obviously, in the back of my mind, I didn't want to think about it too much. But of course, my, in the back of my mind, it's the possibility of being a part of the team. And then halfway through the season, they told me that I've been selected for the national team to represent the Chinese men's national team in the Olympics. So it was pretty cool. What's that phone that. call like to to call your parents and to call your yeah, your popo and, and, yeah. and share that information? Or were, could you? Did you have to keep it secret at all? Or uh, I mean, I could tell. I family? I told family. Yeah, just family at the time. I was only allowed to tell. But uh, I mean, it was a lot of emotions, a lot of happy emotions that went into those phone calls and telling them that I made the roster. There's a lot of people uh, in my life that uh, have been super supportive of me and my whole career. And, you know, it's been like the cherry on top to be able to have me, you know, reach out to them and, you know, how ecstatic I was to tell them. It was just, it's, there's no words that could describe that feeling. I mean, to have that. And my, my grandfather, you know, obviously, sorry to hear that he passed, but, uh, you know, it's, I know he's always with me and uh, obviously to have my grandmother, you know, tell her, I remember hearing her cry over the phone, you know, and it was super emotional for my family, but uh, everybody was super happy for me. Um, tougher, like I, I'm, I'm assuming, and I didn't know much about whether families could travel, but did they have to watch everything from afar, like watch it over here? Or was anyone able to join you and, and watch you play live for the Olympics themselves? Yeah, I mean, for the Olympics this year, for 2022, they kind of did it. So only uh, if you had relatives that were in mainland China at the time, they could attend the games to watch but uh just with travel restrictions is too yeah hard just to... because of the travel restrictions unfortunately but uh you know my whole family in vancouver i mean they all woke up at what four or five in the morning i was gonna to say it's a lot of early mornings to watch you play yeah, yeah. Uh, i remember i think it was my aunt uh she called me and she told me that she's gonna drive to my parents house at four in the five in the morning and they live in east van so to drive from east van all the way to coquillam you know, what an hour drive. Not know. a straight line. Yeah, yeah it's for not sure. exactly a straight line. So, but, uh, you know, it was nice to have their support and from all of my friends and family from all over the world to cheer for me and my teammates uh, at the start of the game live. I mean, it was pretty crazy. Uh, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and something you're not going to get, you know, all the time, right? So, well, you, but it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, but you're 21 years old. It's not mm -hmm. the, like it's, yeah. there's, it's part of a path now. Um, yeah. I want to get into your game. I want to get into, I want to geek out on goaltending a little bit here. Like we like to do on this podcast. Yeah. Um, how'd you get started? 
Um, where did the passion start with? You talked about Pasco. You talked about Lyndon San Martino. Both guys we know really well, Brendan Metz, that we've get, gotten to meet and work with here in Vancouver, elite goalies. Uh, I know Lyndon does a lot of work with uh, uh, LB, uh, Lauren Bassois in the, in, the, in the summers now. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you, like, just walk us through your progression. How you got started? Why'd you fall in love with the position and, and where your game has developed? Yeah, well, I mean... I started hockey when I was six years old. It was actually because of my cousin. He initially got into hockey. And then the following year I got into, my parents kind of put me into uh, hockey as well as at the time I was playing lacrosse and I was playing water polo. My brother plays national level water polo. Really? Yeah, he played for Canada for a few years and then uh, not the Olympic level, but nationally. Still, and that's, then, I mean, that's a sport that requires our our yeah. our, our host of this podcast, Darren yeah. Millard, called water polo at the olympics oh really yeah wow. for Good i think for, him, for nbc yeah. so he yeah. knows exactly how hard that oh, is was he a goalie by any sport. chance or? he was he was he's a goalie uh, he's a bit tall he's six six so yeah but uh yeah i mean water polo is a really tough sport and uh he was actually my coach my brother he was my coach for two years in water or one or two years in water polo and uh and at the time i I believe it was at 15 years old, I had to make the switch, make the decision whether to stick with hockey or to water polo. So, and I just fell in love with hockey. I mean, growing up, I was always a better backwards skater than forwards. And I always loved to stop pucks in that sense. And uh, my parents always remember, you know, just the love and the passion I had for just being in net. And I just loved it ever since. I mean, uh, growing up, my dad's French Canadians from Quebec. Okay. So uh, growing up, I watched a lot of Montreal Canadiens games. And, and uh, my dad, uh, he's also a diehard Montreal fan, you know, growing up as well in Montreal. I was going to ask whether you yeah. ended, like whether you uh, bleed the blue blanket rouge <laughs> or uh, Canucks uh, colors. Well, I mean, I mean, ultimately, I'm a fan of both teams. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, uh, the Canucks as well as Montreal. I'm a fan for both and both clubs. Uh, yeah, who was your guy doing. growing up? Like, and when did you become, when did, like you talk about skating backwards, mm-hmm. but when did goaltending become your thing? And was there a guy that you emulated or that you like, you know, you, yeah. we all do it, whether it's street hockey or on the ice, that guy that we just want to be. Mm-hmm. I think it was about when I was seven or eight years old, I just fell in love with playing goal in the goal and the, the equipment, you know, just putting the cool equipment on as a kid. I think it was something that I just, I fell in love with uh, growing up, obviously watching Montreal. I was a very, uh, I was a Carey Price fan. Not I still am. One, yeah, you know, not a bad one to of, emulate. Yeah, exactly. And I was kind of emulating his style. I think even now I kind of emulate in some ways the patience and how calm he is, as well as, you know, how quick and ferocious he can be. You know, other goalies I, I looked up to growing up were uh, obviously Luongo and uh, as well as uh, Carter Hart uh, recently got into his kind of style, very similar to Price and uh, Braden Holtby as well as the, those kinds of guys that I kind of emulated my game after, you know, uh, how patient I was, I am in the net and calm, as well as um, the style, obviously, stand-up mixed with butterfly, right? A little more nervous. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning a narrower stance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the what I've kind of emulated anyways over Love the it. years. Love it. So where, did, where where do you start getting coaching? You know, this is a question that we t- talk to every like. Because you're only 21, you probably mm. got a lot younger than like so we talked yeah. to guys like Roberto, and it's later yeah. on, or talk to other guys, and they God, like we talked to guys that weren't in the NHL not that long ago, and mm. they didn't have a goalie coach till they got to the pro league. But yeah. where did it start for you? Uh, I think I started uh, going to well summer camps probably when I was 
12 years okay. old. I believe uh, I attended uh, a bunch of goalie camps throughout uh, the lower mainland, like uh, Sean Murray. I attended a couple of his camps. Yeah. Performance. And then, uh, and then I kind of uh, leaned towards uh, elite goalies yeah. with Pasco and Brendan over there and Eddie Gray. And, uh, yeah, I mean those kind of those are the type of guys that I've been sticking with mostly with EG guys, and uh, especially during my off season, I usually uh, do a lot of private sessions with those guys. But uh, you uh, um, you talked about patience and mm-hmm. and knowing some of those guys. Like I I think patience can be something where we we talk about it as goalies, like it's it's something we all want, mm-hmm. but it's sort of this nebulous yeah. like. So <laughs> let me ask you, how do you other than saying it? and trying to not go early on pucks, mm-hmm. are there ways you can teach or that you have learned how to be more patient as a goaltender that you can share with others? Mm. Well, I think, like you said, it's kind of one of those things that you kind of want to find that balance between being very calm and patient as well as being ferocious. I you love know, that word, by the way. Yeah. I, I've never, I, I love that word. I yeah, love that ferocious. It's a word that Pasco used to tell me when I was a kid growing up. You have to be ferocious on the puck. So I kind of get that from him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I've kind of just looked at it as just playing my game and being patient on the puck has just come naturally to me in some ways. But, uh, I mean, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice and a lot of hard work that's gone into it, into my game, to craft into where it is today. And obviously, there's a lot of stuff that I want to continue to learn and develop my game, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think patience comes from, you know, just being aware of where, the puck is going to come from, you know, the stick angle, the curvature of the stick and, you know, where the player's, you know, his body position, his shoulders tell a lot, right? And I think that's something that I've kind of learned throughout this season, working with my goalie coach uh, in the KHL, Yari Karela. Um, he's taught me, you know, to read the game more and look at body position more than the actual puck. And that's something that he's learned throughout his professional career, you know, playing the NHL as well as he used to play in the Olympics for Finland. Uh, or coached anyways, I think in Belarus, uh, and, uh, you know, playing in the, or coaching in the KHL for other KHL teams. He's learned from these other professional goaltenders. So to get some kind of uh, the knowledge from him and then mix with, uh, Pasco and Linden and all these, all these guys have really helped, uh, develop my game overall. And, um, so when we talk about reading all those other things, mm-hmm. um, hands, shoulders, sounds like shoulders is a big one. Yeah, shoulders is a big one. You know, I know like Craig Anderson is sort of like the like the Jedi of this mm-hmm. in the NHL. We've talked to guys who played with them like Laner and Dreger about like, like he doesn't on breakaways or shootouts, like he doesn't have to look at the puck. Mm-hmm. How do you develop that? Like, is there a way to practice that? Is it through video work and a coach showing you, like, if he does this, you can expect that? Mm-hmm. Like, how would other young goalies try and, you know, develop those same types of abilities when it comes to reading the play? Because at the end of the day, being able to anticipate and read the play is, like like you said, that's, it's huge. that's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, pra- it's, it's 100% practice. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of practice. It also has to do with the goalie coach doing film. You can do it on your own. You're watching game film or practice film. Is video um, videos a big part? That's, I guess, what I was trying to video ask. Is is a big, video a big part of it, It's a big too? part of it. I mean, well, for me, anyways, personally, I felt this season because we film all of our practices and all the games. So oh, so you're not just watch. looking in game situations. You're yeah, looking in practice for cues. As well. Yeah, oh, exactly. Nice. I love Look it. for cues and watching yourself play during practice as well as just 
being in the moment and uh, experiencing it, you know, all the shots, different angles, different drills, obviously, you know, where positioning of the player is in the shoulder position. It really helps overall. Um, any cues you can share with us in terms of shoulder position? Because like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm digging a little too much. I don't want to give <laughs> away any state secrets, but yeah. I'm fascinated by that one. Like, yeah. you know, like um, what what kind of things are you looking for? Like a guy dips a shoulder, you know, it's a shot mm-hmm. that t- as simple as that, or mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's. I think personally, I found that when a player dips his shoulder, that's also a good cue. Um, I mean, it could be a fake as well. It depends right. on the the stick angle as well as where they look. Um, some guys, especially at the higher level, they're better at hiding it. So it's a little more difficult to read, but I mean, it comes down to practicing it and just naturally figuring out what's right for you and what you find, depending on what level you play at. And And I guess too, like as deception becomes an increasing part of shooters, they're starting to to show one thing and, and, and deliver another, right? You can't go too early on that. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. You kind of have to read in between the lines almost of what the players are going to do. Obviously, the better players, as they get better, the higher level, they're, they hide it better, right? So it's, like you said, deception in that sense. But, uh, I mean, it's just practice, really. Yeah. Okay, practice and looking for different things. Yeah, um, cues. You you mentioned Yari. Uh, other influences over there. We talked about the guys you worked with here, and I know um, last season, because of COVID and everything, you stayed here and mm-hmm. worked with them. But what kind of coaching? Like you arrived that first year with uh, uh, KRS Kunlin, the junior team in in the MHL. I mean, that's a massive transition. You're 17 years old. You're going. You're sort yeah. of grade 12, 17, 18. You're in a totally different country, and you're learning probably a different style of hockey. A lot of yeah, east, west, pass, European. pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's helping guide you in that? How much of yeah. it is adjust to the league and adjust to the type of hockey, and how much of it is still developing your game? Because you're, like I said. Like you're in grade twelve, you're playing yeah. in the MHL in grade like that's that just seems crazy to me. I'm sorry, like to go from <laughs> grade mean, eleven was. here to grade twelve on yeah. the other side of the world. It's it's pretty crazy. At the time, I was actually taking online classes. Okay, uh, yeah, at school to continue my education. Uh, but I mean, my first year, my head coach was Alexander Barkov, senior. So Alex Alexander Barkov playing in the Florida Panthers. That's his, his dad. dad. Yeah, really. He was our head coach at my first year MHL. So he was a big influence of helping me transition to the bigger ice, as well as, uh, you know, seeing into his insight of how, you know, European players play. And it was pretty cool uh, to get advice from him. And uh, my first year, we played on Olympic size ice. So it was a lot bigger. The transition from the angles, I find it's different. Um, personally, uh, I found that the net is a little bit bigger, slightly. My first year, I found that out. And obviously, the where the positioning of the dots are, it's different than playing in North American style hockey. Um, my second year, we kind of went back into it was mixed between depending on which team you play in, uh, play uh, what rink you're playing in in Russia. But uh, for the most part, we were playing in NHL size rink at home. But we would play some teams in Russia, it'd be Olympic size, and then it'd be NHL size. So it was kind of differentiated between the two rings tough ju- is that a tough adjustment from oh, one for to the sure other? i mean it's a tough adjustment to get used to but after a while you kind of adjust to it and you get used to the different i find it's easier personally to play on nhl size rinks right. i'm used to it growing up but of course obviously before games we'd come arrive a couple of days before the game started so we would have time to adjust and get used to the different angles and whatnot and then my third year i had was fortunate enough to play in the vhl and uh I got called up to the KHL, right. KHL team, 
halfway the season and uh, the head coach at the time was Kurt Fraser there. So to get some advice from Kurt was, I mean, amazing to be able to talk to him and talk hockey and talk shop with him as well as being able to talk with uh, Dusty Imu, um, a local, you know, yeah, we know Dusty. Guy. yeah, yeah, uh, just, just down guy. the road. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was fortunate enough to work with him one-on-one, -on -one, Dusty. And, uh, you know, he taught me some stuff. Uh, I learned a lot from him as well. Can you give us some specific, I remember our audience is all goalies. Can, any, can you geek us out on a little goalie stuff on, because you mentioned Barkov. Um, was that more just life in general and reading the game? Was yeah, there a goalie was coach too? Life. Yeah, I mean, with Barkov, it was more so life and just general hockey, uh, hockey yeah, advice. Like, but not goalie specific. Yeah, it wasn't really goalie specific. Did you have a goalie coach though? Uh, we did have a goalie coach. Uh, I believe he was Finnish. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name off the top of my well, head. Well, you've had anymore. a bunch, right? Oh, so, uh, it's yeah, been a no. bunch. Every year it's been different coaches. So it's kind of difficult to build a relationship with a goalie coach, uh, specifically just because you don't know whether they'll stick around for the following year right. or not. So, unfortunately, it's been tough. But I mean, for the most part, I've learned a lot from a lot of the guys over there and which has helped overall my game we hear a lot about finished coaches and hands and active hands and that oh, importance yeah. <laughs> can you give us it like did you like firsthand did you experience that was it different yeah. or oh, yeah. what give us an example of how it was different was it just drill work you did where how they mm -hmm. emphasize was it hand position what kind of things jump out as different and what did you like when you're working with that many coaches you got to probably you want to try everything you want to make a good example mm. but there's probably some things that you need to leave and some things you might mm -hmm. add how did that process play out yeah well i mean this season working with yari um he was very much so uh, like hands first that's what he emphasized the most and as well as body language reading players uh, besides that he was more what you call what you could call um finish style and what what he told me anyways, which is more upright and like um, straight almost body uh, to be bigger in the net, uh, obviously with European size rank as well as the skill and the, how fast the game is nowadays. It's, uh, you know, to help stop the puck as best as you can, you have to be big as possible, right, to cover the net. Um, but obviously with him, he kind of emphasized uh, hands first, you know, to for the puck trajectory to um cut the angle with him um but besides that i mean it was mostly hands in front he let me do whatever i felt comfortable with obviously he would teach me what he thinks would be best for my game and i could for me i used it and put in my toolbox and whether i wanted to use it or not that was up to me and depending on the situation right but we both had the same you know philosophy that i mean every situation is different going into a game so don't really know what to expect, but you want to go in with, you know, the best tools that you can, you know, and to go into each game knowing that you're well prepared for it. What, um, were there any things that you changed? I mean, go, the position's constantly yeah. evolving, I mean, right? It's constantly evolving. Any sure. specifics that like in the last couple of years that you've added or changed? You talked a little bit about stance and sort of mm -hmm. emulating like guys like Carter and, and, Holt's a little little narrower. Yeah. Um, anything else that's kind of evolved along that you, that you see on the international stage? Because in addition to playing over there, you're watching like all these different goalies that have had success. Some that are used to be in the NHL, some yeah. that might be headed, some that are headed to the Olympics. Like, is there guys that are you trying to soak it all up, or anybody you take anything away from watching when you're over yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of guys that I watched. You know, uh, either when I was on the bench or on the ice uh, playing the KHL or even in the Olympics, we watched their style of play, 
And I found that a lot of the goalies, you know, obviously with the position evolving so fast and so much, it's, uh, I've learned that, uh, you know, all these goalies have very similar style in the sense that, you know, a narrower stance. Obviously, not all goalies are the same, but right. what I noticed in the KHL levels, especially in Russia, the Russian goaltenders, and they all play similar to North American style, but more aggressive with it. Just so positionally, so more tactically than yeah, technically? Yeah. Well, I mean, see, obviously, it depends on the situation as well. Right. But tactically, I found that, uh, they're more aggressive on the puck, so they'll come out a little bit further. Uh, with Yari, the big thing that he really wanted to emphasize with me as well was playing deeper in my net, what he called home. So it would be like half crease would be the furthest I played out, maybe even three-quarter crease. But uh, just because of how fast the puck comes at you, right? But Because uh, well if you're as, out further, it's just more distance to yeah, travel. Yeah, exactly, right? And it also depends on like if a puck would be uh, going from like east to west, Right. If you stay in the middle, then you have less time to travel instead of doing a, a T push across, right? Right. Across right. the net. Every foot so, you're out on the left side is yeah, an extra exactly. two feet you got to recover. Exactly. Back to, to recover yeah. across. Yeah. So just minor things like that to adjust to. But overall, I mean, my game hasn't, I mean, obviously it's evolved a lot since I started, right? Hockey. But uh, from this year to the past year, there's not a whole lot. It's just minor adjustments. You know, from the VHL level to the KHL level, besides obviously the speed level, right? The speed and, you know, the way that how smart the players are and being able to read, you know, the game. Yeah, uh, the style of play. Like we've heard it from guys that went over during lockouts and stuff. So that's a while back, but like the yeah. pass, 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 yeah. pass, dust it <laughs> off. Good yeah. look. No, pass again. Like yeah. how, how much, like when you talk about patience, we've also had guys that go over there and come back and say, as long as you adjust to that expectation and you have the right mindset, you can really learn patience over there. And yeah, for sure. it can really apply if you come back because you have to beat everything on your feet over there. You can't be sliding around because oh, they'll exactly. just pass it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for a lot of the teams, especially in the KHL, all the, uh, what we call the older teams, uh, like uh, uh, Neftemek, um, you know, Severstal, uh uh, VDS, they all play kind of the Russian style of hockey, like old-fashioned Russian style, which is a lot of passing. But all the, um, some other teams, they play NHL style. So it's a little more systems-based. A little it's more less direct. passing, more direct. Yeah. But, I mean, it just depends on which team you're playing against. Um, obviously, patience comes, you know, super important throughout all the teams you play against, but in, in the KHL, but uh, it's a big factor. But, I mean, like you said, uh we have to learn from all the games, right? And that, uh, you know, you kind of learn as you go in the sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Smith um, would have been a teammate of yours this year. Yeah, and obviously at partner, the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Um, what'd you learn from him? I mean, there's a guy that, uh, you know, I know Dusty worked with him for a full year over there with, with the KHL club. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that, you know, drafted in the NHL and had, had some, you know, had some experiences over here. Anything you took away from him that was different? Like he just had, he's a guy that, you know, is a little, he's yeah. been doing it longer and has a little more experience. Were there lessons that came from him? Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, he's a super nice guy down to earth. Uh, had a couple of conversations with him, um, but, or small talk, anyways. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was just trying to learn from him, uh, more so just watching him play and how he practices and how patient he is on pucks. Uh, or he can be. And, uh, you know, the one thing I learned from him is reading plays and how to read plays uh, and getting advice in some sense from just watching him. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy overall. 
also wanted to give you a chance to talk about gear. You talked about gear being something that lured you to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saw you in Bauer Gear over there. Is that like that where you've been for a while? Like what, uh, where are you in the gear thing? Yeah. I mean, uh, my previous seasons I was with, I wore CCM. I okay. wore the E-Flexes uh, for a good part of my career. Um, and then uh, I kind of transitioned to Bauer. Uh, a friend of mine, Mark Simon, uh, reached out to, or I reached out to him and uh, I got in contact with Tim Pearson. Uh, Tanner Pearson's dad and he's the uh, executive for Bauer over uh, he oversees uh, Bauer Asia okay and especially the China project what they were doing so I kind of reached out to him and he ended up hooking me up uh, with Bauer gear for the, my KHL season so at the start of the year through the hockey shop on Surrey oh we got it he hey, yeah. hold on <laughs> there's a there's a hockey shop tie in here our proud title sponsors of the Ingo radio podcast i i never even thought to ask that so you're a hockey shop did like was that one of your places going growing up to go oh, yeah like, that mean, was goalie <laughs> utopia we call it yeah it is goalie utopia i mean they have such a wide selection especially the guys there like cam obviously great guy oh, Usually, sh- we can't talk we can't yeah. his head's already big <laughs> enough he's getting like podcast request appearances from elsewhere oh, really? so we oh, gotta well. we gotta put a pin in that it. so we'll put sh- a pin. Yeah. okay yeah i mean yeah the guys at the hockey shop really helped uh uh, my whole you know goalie you know uh crave anyways for equipment but uh i mean every time i i wanted new equipment or whatever i would always go to the hockey shop that'd be my first go-to place and uh, they've really helped me tremendously my whenever i wanted to look at equipment or whatever just because of how wide their selection is there and how great and knowledgeable the play, uh, those guys are out there but uh so are you like you, you you're into the gear then like you're that's a yeah, big for the most yeah, part yeah I'd maybe say not I'm as geeky pretty, as some of us but yeah <laughs> okay so that you nerdy. you talk about that transition like you know as an e-flex guy i think of that as uh, you know pretty flexible pad mm-hmm. um and obviously the bower is a little stiffer profile but they've worked as the lines have gone on into a more flexible profile for goalies out there that are like geez what's that adjustment going to be like because we've had some that struggle with it and others that love it what was it like for you i think initially i kind of well tried it on for the first time i did definitely think it was a lot stiffer than my previous i wore uh, eflex fours at the time and then transitioning to the hyperlights and bauer um, they're definitely a stiffer pad um, it was a little bit of getting used to but I just fell in love with the Bauer pads, and I think I'm a big Bauer guy now. I mean, I always was. Uh, growing up, I wore Bauer gear when I was younger. So, you know, be able to uh, get some kind of deal with Bauer uh, going forward with the KHL season and then, of course, the Olympics is pretty special for me. Uh, what, do you, what did you fall in love with? I mean, we know what the attributes are. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we do, but I, I got to ask uh, Just anyway. the feel. The feel of the Bauer gear. I mean, it just fit like a glove with me. Personally, it's just... Uh, especially, you know, the pads and the way they feel, especially the closure on the pads and the knee block, how hard it is. I found with my CCMs, the knee block was kind of flimsy in some ways, especially when it was more wear and tear to it. But uh, with the Bauer gear, I went through an entire season. It's very beat up now, my pads, but. But the core stays the intact part, and the knee oh, stays yeah, intact. Oh, yeah, the knee stay yeah. intact, the core stay intact. It was very durable, I mean, throughout the entire season. Right, well, so, we're going to have to get you to check out the new Axis, too, because they've got a, yeah. they've improved on the knee there. So we've got to give them some love, too. But, yeah, no, I, I understand that. And it's, um, I, I was curious, the rebounds, like you notice it in the sliding and all oh, that huge stuff. rebounds, yeah. It's been super great with Bauer. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Um, well, now now we're just going to – we should have just done this at the hockey shop. We could just walk around and t- – what's your specs? What's your What's your – any unique specs on your setup? Not really. I mean, for the most part, it's kind of uh, Bauer size, large hyperlight. Yeah, yeah. Are I mean, you are you in a hyperlight glove or are you hyperlight 
Like, yeah, glove blocker, helmet pads, okay. uh, and skates, right? And then I actually just transitioned to the um, the True, the VH, the new True, um, the 2.0s, I think it is called. Like uh, the two-piece skate with the... No, it's a one-piece. Oh, okay, yeah. One-piece skate. I can't remember the actual name of it, but... Uh, the we'll ask Cam. True skates, yeah, I'm wearing those. And then, uh, yeah, for the most part, I just kind of beefed up the pad a little bit. Uh, obviously, with the stronger shots, it helps uh, from what I've... Um, from what I've experienced and then obviously the glove uh, I'm wearing um, a pro palm glove with extra padding with the foam and the where the thumb area is but besides that everything's pretty stock okay so like a hyper like 590 style break yeah, versus 590, like the yeah. the ultrasonic or I guess going to be the mock is more of that 600 style break so you yeah. like that 590 feel yeah. puck handling a big part of your game Yeah, I mean, for sure, puck handling is has to be part of your game, especially the pro level. I guess it yeah. does now, eh? Yeah, well, especially now how the game's evolving. But uh, yeah, I mean, with 590 glide, I find it's easier for me to puck handle just to grip my glove better. Uh, with my CCMs, I had a 600 break. So going tougher into, on the turco grip with that, eh? Yeah, it is tough. But uh, I mean, you get used to it after a while and I kind of adjust to it. But uh, for sure, I'm a fan of the 590. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one. Uh, what's the plans? I mean, I know there's probably a lot up in the air. Uh, yeah. Season's over in the KHL because mm -hmm. it's only the playoff teams that are still going. Um, what's what's the future hold? Do you know yet? You just wait and see? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure what the future's going to hold. But right now, I'm kind of just focusing on world championships. I was invited, fortunately. I, I apologize. Invited. I didn't realize. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, to represent China again, world championships. I mean, heading to the Olympics, our main kind of goal was to just... Uh, spread awareness of hockey and to grow the game within China and uh, you know just kind of teach the next generation or kind of inspire the next generation that anything's possible when you put your mind to it right and uh, yeah so I mean overall right now my main goal is kind of to just focus on world championships and then there, it's in April and then see where things go from there I was just trying to google fast but I was too slow where are they this year Uh, it's in Croatia right now. Right now, China is in, I believe, in Division 2A. But, I mean, ultimately, the goal is to help the team, you know, move up the rankings. Right. And, uh, you know, move as we move towards 2026 in Milan, hopefully we'll qualify for that. Nice. And uh, and I, I I should have asked this earlier. I'm sorry. One, one last question. I'm famous for it. Infamous, I guess. Um, but that role, that sort of, education role that mm -hmm. inspiration role that help grow the game role how like how has that manifested itself obviously you take a lot of pride in it um did you guys do like were you doing clinics do you do how other than just being in the olympics and everybody getting to see you and see that it's possible are there other grassroots initiatives that you've been a part of in any in way china? in china or i guess it's difficult because you guys have been located elsewhere but mm -hmm. like where is it how do how what's the next step for chinese hockey to sort of not make sure that this is part of an upswing as opposed to the plateau. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of initiatives. I mean, the main goal... I guess Kunlun itself is... is Yeah, it's a huge initiative with Kunlun and what they're doing to develop Chinese hockey. But besides that, there's a lot of, you know, camps that I know of, uh, like Mark Simon. He's big into the hockey world in China. Um, yeah, and he kind of um, started a bunch of initiatives to develop and kind of grow the game in China as well with camps and, you know, clinics and stuff like that. You know, a lot of road hockey where they don't have ice. Uh, there's actually a lot of people that have reached out to me, Chinese fans, uh, during the Olympics and after the Olympics now that didn't even know the hockey existed or didn't know of hockey until now. So it's pretty cool to think that we've kind of opened the eyes to a lot of people 
in China anyways and to help grow the game in that sense. So just awareness off the bat and then Yeah, go from pretty there. much it's just awareness. Um I was fortunate enough uh as well my first year MHL um back in 2018, 2019 I believe it was to uh go to my home city in China, Dongsan. And we had um we went to one of the schools there, this English uh, school and we taught uh, hockey there so i was fortunate enough to be part of that with some of my teammates and uh, you know teach them about hockey uh, at the time so it's pretty cool to have that and then be able to play in the olympics and hopefully moving forward you know we'll continue to grow the game in china you know have more initiatives uh, whether that's with kunlun the organization or elsewhere you know and uh, overall it's i mean the whole point of what we're doing is just to spread awareness and to help inspire the next generation and hopefully at the same time you know move up the rankings and you know help china uh become a better hockey country that's i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty big mission statement yeah <laughs> for, a mean, guy, for a guy who started by getting invited to a camp not even yeah. knowing that he was going to be a part of this i think that that's is very just, cool to be part of yeah, yeah just an awesome story and i thank you so much for spending so much time yeah, to share it with you. us today congratulations on all your success and thank you i look forward to staying in touch and following along as we move forward too yeah thank you so much for having me and inviting me on i mean overall i'm just super grateful for everything that's happened so far and i'm just kind of taking it as it goes and, and just enjoying the whole process awesome awesome paris thanks again yeah thank you like that that's so cool i, I fanboy over him because he lives the ultimate dream in playing in the Olympic Games and and plays uh, against Canada and and he loves In Goal Mag and In Goal Radio the podcast and and uh, the pro reads because it helps him get better well, that that is what you call a a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, you know we've we've had this conversation around a lot of different goalies about you know the value of pro reads and you know you hear him talking about it, you know how much information how he's using video with his goalie coach. Uh, the Finnish goalie coach over over with Kunlun to to in the KHL to learn you know how to read guys like, and how video is such a valuable tool and like what better way than having you know the best goalies in the world share tips on what they're looking for in certain situations um, to make those same reads and so uh, it's always nice to get that validation on pro reads I think it's been a big part of the Ingol Ingol Mag and Ingol Premium subscription. Uh, service and we're looking forward to maybe doing some with Paris. Paris is going to be on the ice as you mentioned this summer here in Vancouver nearby. Pasco Milana, shout out to Pasco who's really good to us over the years works out of the Richmond Oval and uh, coaches had a lot of success and worked with Hockey Canada, especially on the women's side in their program um, and so it'll be nice to get on the ice with those two and maybe we can talk about it. maybe we can do some video and have Paris sort of maybe as he did for me afterwards sort of show what he meant by when he talked about shoulders and shoulder positioning and what he's reading and what he's looking for. Um, Cause just as he uses pro reads to get better, I think there's a lot of young goalies and old goalies like me that would pick up new cues that we haven't thought about before that might give us that tip that help us make that extra save. Or maybe well, in my case, I take any save, but an extra four or five would help the way things are going lately. Yeah. Somebody said that my, the morning skate the other day, a good save. I said, and any saves a good save. It's it's just good. And and then they said uh, that rebound uh, wasn't very good. I said you're lucky. There's a rebound. <laughs> just just be happy with that. Um, Hutch, uh, do you remember 
and this just made me think when when Woody mentioned uh, uh, goalies and and different uh, tools that they have. Do you remember when Eric Comrie talked about going to stick and puck and working on his his movements and his skating? Yeah. Uh, last night uh, we were doing a game at City National Arena out of Studio Thirty One, and there was stick and puck on the other rink, and there was a kids doing things and, and uh, adults doing kids at one end. And uh, there was, there was four or five nets out there. It was just uh, all broken up, but there was an uh, adult or junior goaltender looked of a certain skill level, really good skill level, just doing movements on the side boards. And uh, I said to my buddy, Darren Elliott, uh, Olympian and, and former NHL goaltender, I said, that, that, is what Eric Comrie used to do. It's it's amazing. And here you're in the middle of the desert and a guy, a person, I believe it was a, a guy who was just doing st- uh, skate movements. And I thought it was so neat. So I told Darren to hold the mic and run down there and have a chat with you. Yeah. Yes. It was, uh, it was at the start of the third period. We had to kind of, we were, we were sneaking away for a coffee and we had to get back up. So uh, otherwise I would have. Well, and, hey, not just Eric Comrie. Remember we had that conversation with Connor Hellebuck after? Yes. About how you know he didn't have ice to prepare for an NHL NAHL tryout that basically started this path for him, and so him and a buddy would go to sticking puck. There's no shame in it. I was thinking about it from a gotta be careful reliability perspective, but would they let you take Sensorina out there? And well, I don't know. You, like that's that's puck, good. You know, like you could be working in your crease and actually making saves in there, sort of map out your crease, especially if you have a net, and actually make saves out there. Cones out there. Get everybody away from me. Yeah, you, can, you can slam into the kid beside yeah. you. you both, just like we slam into walls at home when we're yeah. trying to sense arena. I was, yeah, I was thinking, like, this is my space. Well, it's like it, instead of breaking your hand, making a blocker save, and knocking your coffee everywhere like I did the first time I tried it on because I didn't miss mapping out my area. Probably be a bad thing if, like, I, like, randomly punch some five-year-old yeah. or mother out for a skate with her. For sure. <laughs> You'd have a little five-year-old come up about two inches from your face and stare at this thing. Guaranteed. Like, boom. For sure. But I just, I said to Darren Elliott, I said, you're not seeing that in Canada? Like, we, because. You did? Yeah, yeah. I was, actually, it was at one of uh, Eli Wilson's camps. We were about to go on the ice. And they had one of those little skating ponds that they put in some facilities, you know, just for the little kids to learn to skate on. Yeah. And there was uh, a midget goaltender in half year doing skating drills on his own. And so love I it. And just, I stopped and had a word with him. And cause I just, I love what you're doing here. Tell me about it. Great. Oh, scene. That, uh, that that's awesome. So I just, uh, that, that triggered uh, last night. Uh, one of our conversations, and I forgot about the Connor Hellebuck uh, side, but uh, but Eric Comrie was certainly part of it. And I I would love to hear what Paris has to say about uh, reading shoulders and and head angle and and uh, different areas of of the the forward position beyond just the the stick blade and the the puck. I think it takes a special skill to be able to translate that thing for readers and listeners, uh, because I mean, how many goaltenders actually even know what they're reading? Mm-hmm. And yet Kevin's able to pull that out of a lot of guys you can see that's one of the things i like um probably more of the recent ones we've been doing um some of these guys can sort of tell you what's happening but kevin knows what he's looking for and he can really draw it out of these guys and is able to through conversation get that shared with everybody i think it's just more realizing that sometimes you really have to press them and ask because and we had this conversation after we stopped recording me in paris uh paris and i um, about how a lot of it, like in real time, it's just, it becomes a hate. You're not out there thinking and writing for these things. 
but you have to do the work to sort of build that instinctual level. You have to know what you're looking for at the beginning and then eventually it becomes instinctual. So I think a lot of times when they go back and look over the film, unless you really, it, it becomes so unconscious to them that you really have to ask them there, like, hey, what are you looking for at this exact yeah. Is there anything in his hands? Or now I'm going to start asking, like, I used to say, is there anything about his hands or his blade? And now I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I include shoulders in that. Shoulders, hands, blade, hips. Like, what are you seeing here? I was telling you, this guy is shooting, not passing. And so part of that, I, I don't think I deserve credit for it. It's just more, it's a willingness and over time learning, a willingness to ask and on what looks like a really simple play. And just, you know, um, knowing that I have to now to ask, because otherwise some of these pro reads would be 25 seconds. <laughs> I just knew he was shooting. <laughs> Why? Uh, I can tell you my pro read with you would be, uh, what are you, what are you reading here, Darren? And I'd say, uh, the puck's halfway across and I got to try and get over there. That, that, that would be as simple as that. I'm not reading anything, but my heart rate monitor says I'm at 205 right now. <laughs> <laughs> the trainers just called me over saying you're in a danger zone. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Well, what's happening at the, uh, on the site right now? Oh, we've got the pro reads, the latest one. And, and, and he's really good at this. And he's a guy that I had to ask to prod a little bit because so much of it is instinctual for him. His uh, latest is, is up with Brayden Holpe. but a nice win the other night uh, yeah. uh, for, for the Dallas Stars against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, speaking of, you know, Eric Conley. Oh, did he make a glove save on a tip? <laughs> yeah. And so Brayden's a guy that is so cerebral. So we've got a bunch more. We spent a half an hour with him when Dallas was in town earlier this year. Uh, I think we've rolled out three so far. I think we've at least got another four or five that'll come from Braden. So just look, keep looking every week. There's a new pro reads up there, folks. Um, we've got part three of the Thatcher Demko. I teased it last week. It's coming up. The desperation save and the keys in terms of how you position your legs. The, you know, when you're sprawled out on the ice, there are certain things you can do to give yourself a chance to make those desperation saves. And uh, Ian Clark and Thatcher Demko walk us through that in the third part of that series. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. It's not up yet on Um, But you, if you remember, folks, we had a great interview with Seamus Cotton from the Buffalo Sabres yep. recently. Uh, he shared some video of some drills right from basic skating and edge work all the way into shooters uh, and execution and different save executions and movement patterns uh, with Uko Pekko Lukanen, uh, the young Sabres fast-rising star. Uh, so we're going to have that ready to go pretty soon at ingwellbank.com. Look forward to rolling that out. Um, and we'll just keep going with a bunch more drills and videos. Uh, Pete Fry, has yep. anything else that's up new this yeah, week? I was just going to mention the Pete Fry one. Um, seems to be getting a little bit more traction uh, than average. Is one that came up this week on uh, how to develop the belief system of a professional goaltender. And uh, so much of what we do is based upon what we believe about ourselves, And if you don't have that confidence in yourself, that's my problem. It could be, could be exactly it. Yeah. And so anyway, he gets into that as he, you know, has a new article each week where we're keeping him real busy over there in uh, the Pete Fry office. And uh, when he's not online with uh, young goaltenders and professional goaltenders, he's uh, trying to turn out a little bit of content to share with the end goal magazine audience. And we really appreciate him doing that. Belief, confidence, work on that. Start there, Woody. Let yeah. me know how it goes, and then I'll join you. 
I guess when you're muttering in the back of your head, God, do you suck? That probably isn't the best. <laughs> we have the mental imaging. We will tell people we need a self-talk article. Yeah. For yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. don't. I actually was thinking of getting a mask painted um, in the Venom theme. You know, the Venom mm. character from Marvel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not just because it looks sick. I know Carter Hart's got a lot of Venom stuff uh, or themes integrated into his masks and, and with the flyers. But... A, it would look sick to have a Venom mask, but if you've ever watched the movie, the conversation between the character and the alien symbiote that that's going on in his head, that's kind of how I picture your com- life. That's a conversation that I'm having <laughs> in my own head while I'm playing ball, and I thought it would be perfect, because basically they insult each other the whole time. And so my brain tells my body it sucks a lot, so I thought the Venom mask would be perfect for me. There's any sports psychologists out there listening? Uh, it sounds like Kevin Woodley could use a conversation. Uh, Kay Woodley at Inglebank.com. Are you kidding? If I'm a sports psychologist listening to him right now, I'm saying that's the last person I'm going to talk to. <laughs> Chances of success here are very low. <laughs> are, are very low. Uh, it's, I love it when the defenseman skates by after you allow a goal and they say, uh, not like, I had, uh, sorry, I got let my guy go or uh, I could have helped you out there. It's what happened there? <laughs> those are my favorite conversations uh, around the world with goaltending today uh, we have Vancouver uh, the source for sports Surrey uh, we have Paris mentioned uh, with Paris O'Brien and the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing and uh, and what a great journey that is uh, and you guys together we should do this more often uh, I like looking at uh, one screen and having you guys play off each other back and forth you should join us in the hot tub next time yeah um, so I'm. I can't cross the border. I, I, there's all kinds of restrictions. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll in your hot tub, and we'll get in Woody's. <laughs> yeah, all wear wetsuits. We just have. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, it's actually a good point. I, I don't know what. What do you mean it's a good point? Well, I don't know what would be worse: Hutch naked in my hot tub, or Hutch wearing my wetsuit to get in my hot tub. I couldn't get in your wetsuit. We'd be here all week. <laughs> I I would pay to watch him try and get in the wetsuit. Uh, and and see that not not yeah, actually, because wetsuits are hard to get into. They're they're impossible to get into. Oh, actually, they're they're not bad to get into when they're dry. When they're wet, they're tougher. What they're really tough is to get out of. Ooh, I, I, mine is that mine is actually like it's not as it's not a back zip. It's actually yeah. a, a, it's, it's a zipperless one, so you gotta slide over and then all zipper in the front. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, there's been a few times where I thought I was going to dislocate a shoulder just to get out of this thing. So I would pay to, uh, yeah, I would pay to see that for pass. Hi, Hutch. How did it doesn't sound like? Love you, buddy. <laughs> I got to go. Sorry. Uh, for for Paris O'Brien and of course Cam Matwith over at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey thehockeyshop.com uh, check them out uh, whether you're in location uh, on location or uh, online uh, they will make things uh, happen uh, for all of us uh, have a great week of goaltending inching towards the NHL trade deadline a lot of talk in the next couple of weeks we'll chat with you then